Amen. That being said, if you have a ballot at home, make sure, pray, fill it out, and turn it in, and vote to glorify God, and also to preserve life. And the last announcement is this, before we get into Joshua chapter 3, this is a big week here at South Beach Church. Uh, This is, what is it, November 6th, and on this day last year, one whole year ago, was November 7th, and it was an epic Sunday service if you were here. I remember it because the day started early for me. I got a knock on the door at my house. You shouldn't go to a pastor's house on a Sunday and knock on the door ever unless you have a winning lottery ticket. That's all you should do. Don't ever show up. And for some reason, I answered the door. I was like, who's at my door? You know, and I answered the door, and it was Mike Warren. Mike Warren, a longtime friend of mine, and doesn't go to the church here at this time, and, or even right now, and he lives in our area, and he was there at 7 a.m. in the rain. It was just like today, and he had in his hand a six-foot-high, one-inch marking stake, and he put it out, and he handed it to me. He said, Luke, take the land. And I looked at this, and I thought what? And I reached out and took this rusty, cold marking pin, and he backed off, and I backed off, and I wonder if we were about to fight at this point. I didn't know what was going to happen. And, and he backed into his car and drove off. We have a picture of it, actually. Go ahead. And I brought it to church that day. Dave's going to throw this picture up. Here's the marking pin. Uh, it's going to come up in just a minute, I promise you. Maybe it won't, but it, it won't come up. Anyways, the marking, I brought it up on stage and showed you guys, this is the marking pin. I kind of looked like Moses a little bit, walking with his staff in my hands. And as I continued to make the announcements, I also said, guys, on Uh, Tuesday, there it is right there. Is that six foot? Maybe that's eight foot. I don't know what that is. That's a big one though. And God gave us that kind of sign and I made some announcements and the biggest announcement I made that day was that we're moving forward by faith, buying a building before we actually owned the land that we were trying to acquire and we were gonna do so to honor God by faith and take this step out. So then we began to, and I remember I pulled out, I don't have it with me, I actually have it in my office. I pulled out a priority envelope. You guys remember that? And in the priority envelope that had been overnighted to us from Eastern Oregon, within that envelope was a check for a quarter million dollars. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, you should clap a little louder or like a little, you know. I just said there was a check for a quarter million. You guys like, "Uh uh-huh, and like, come on, man. And it was crazy. And we began to make these announcements and then we made this announcement. Now, some people have asked, okay, so we ordered the building because that's what you said we were gonna do. Turns out ordering a building takes a little more steps than we had anticipated. As a matter of fact, we've been meeting with Capri Architecture all since that entire year. We're having a meeting on Tuesday at 8.30 a.m. with our design team. We've also been meeting with Civil West Engineers. We've contracted them to help us engineer the land. We've been taking steps of faith in order to acquire the land, in order to move forward. And big things have happened on this last week, on November 2nd, no, November 1st. So let's go October 31st, actually. October 31st is Reformation Day. Some people call it Halloween, but that's your problem. But it's actually Reformation Day. And Reformation Day was the day that Martin Luther went to the Catholic Church on October 31st. He said, hey, there's some things wrong in the way you guys are reading the scriptures and applying them. I've got 95 things just to consider. Let me just, since you don't have an inbox, let me just go ahead and tack him to the door. And the Catholic Church was kind of put on blast there, put on front street. And they began to look at these 95 theses. And it's called Reformation Day, the day that the Protestant Church was born. And on October 31st, we went to Western Title here in Newport and we signed documents with two different landowners and we actually went into that finalizing of the closing of the documents. And then on Tuesday, which is November 1st, which is All Saints Day, on Tuesday, we got a call from Western Title and they said that officially the title deeds have been put into the name of South Beach Church. We're officially owners of the land in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The Lord has need of the land. 
And so now we own 12 acres up on the hill here, about two and a half acres on Highway 101. As the details continue to be allowed for me to release, I'll tell you about the purchase agreement. A lot of people wonder, how much did it cost? How much do we have left? What's gonna happen next? And all of these meetings, now that we actually own the land, we're allowed to actually dream, uh, dare I say, methodically and purposefully in the steps that God is giving to us. Here's what I'm asked from you. It's the same thing I asked you last year, a year ago. A year ago, I asked you guys to continue to pray for the leadership here to continue to be part of the mission, part of the vision. Show up early, stay late, say yes to everything. Let the Lord speak to your heart. Let the Lord guide you and use you. And because of the faithfulness of this church, because of the faithfulness of the givers and the donors, over the last many, many years, we were able to buy all of the land, almost 15 acres, debt-free completely with a check, making that all the way just because you guys have been faithful. I asked you guys something else also. I said, here's what I need you guys to do. We desire moving forward to honor the Lord in every single step of the way. We want him to guide us. We want to stay one step behind the Lord, letting him lead us and guide us. There's a temptation and a tendency to get in front of the Lord. You ever done this before? It's usually when the cops like pull you over and stuff like that. You know, you get in front of the Lord. It's not good. It's not good. And we want to stay right behind the Lord. And so what the board has decided to do is to pray effectively and say, hey, let's move into this next phase methodically and let's allow the Lord to build us step by step. Let's not get in over our heads. Let's not go ahead of the Lord, but let's let the Lord provide and let's trust that he'll do that. And a year ago, I asked you guys to do a few things. I asked you guys to keep showing up to church. Keep going. We're having a full house today. You guys have been doing that. I asked you guys to tithe. I ask you guys to give of your tithe that is the first fruits of everything that comes in to do that faithfully. I ask you guys to do it faithfully, to do it obediently, to do it worshipfully, and even to do it sacrificially, and you guys have been doing that. And can I just put those same two requests on you moving forward into the next year? Keep showing up. Keep being part of what God wants to do through this church and in your lives, and keep giving of your first fruits. That's days, dollars, and deeds, time, talent, and treasure, and God will bless you because you're walking in obedience. God will bless you because you're living your life worshipfully. God will bless you because you're allowing them for the service projects to move forward here at South Beach Church, and we're going to see the best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. So be praying for the leadership team. It's exciting. You're all welcome to go up to the land. I'm excited to kind of see what we do next by clearing some trees and putting some signs up there, future home of South Beach Church and all the rest. And if you don't know where it's at, that's your, that's your property up there. So we were driving over the bridge today. I pointed out the trees to my kids. I said, hey, kids, those are our trees. Those are our trees. Those are your trees. Those are the town of Newport's trees. See, the church isn't owned by any one person. It's owned by God for his glory and for others' good. And so can we just pray on this November 6th, 2022, a year later? And now we're in Joshua chapter three, where the children of Israel, listen, they're about to cross into the promised land. They're about to cross into the promised land. And I'm just gonna tell you right off the bat, did you know that the promise was given to Abraham almost 700 years earlier? How many of you guys think we should have had more work done in the last year than we have right now? Go ahead, just raise your hand. You guys think we should have had more work done? You're wrong. I'm just kidding, you know? I think so too. God's ways are not our ways. His timing is not our timing. He does things on purpose. And so a year later, for the title deeds to be written in our name, for everything to be taken care of, and for God to be giving us the principles we're going to learn today out of Joshua chapter three is I believe God's perfect timing. And I want to humble myself before the Lord. Would you bow your hearts with me as we do just that? In Jesus' name, Lord, we love you and we seek you and we believe in you. And we ask in Jesus' name now that you would teach us through your word that we would hear, Lord, what you have for us, we would respond accordingly, and you would get all the glory, and that we would see our town, our community, Lord, served, served in such a powerful way that many men, many women, Lord, would be saved, would be discipled, would be sent, that you would use our church, Lord, 
as a discipleship center, as a sending church. Lord, as we construct a, a new school, a new location up on the hill, Lord, to disciple many children, dozens and hundreds and thousands of children over the years, Lord, may you inspire, Lord. May you lead and guide. May you call even today, Jesus. And we do repent, Lord, for areas of lack of faith, small thinking, sinfulness and selfishness, Lord. We say, search our hearts. Renew us now through your word. Thank you for all you've done. Lead us and guide us, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Joshua chapter three, beginning in verse three. And let's read to verse nine. And they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. And so Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord. Joshua now is leading the children of Israel over the Jordan River. And it shouldn't surprise any of us because this is what God said he was going to do. And yet it would be a surprise in the fashion and the way that God did it because it took many, 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 many hundreds of years. Abraham was called by God when he lived in the land of Ur. He was a Chaldean. He was a pagan worshiper, not worshiping God, but false gods. And yet God called him and said, hey, come out of your people and follow me. And what did he say? Let's go. And this pleased the Lord. And about 220 years after Abraham was called, that's a long time, 220 years. Some of you guys have been around for 220 years. 220 years after that, God raised up Moses. And God raised up Moses and the children of Israel. And then eventually they found them. Actually, that's not true. God raised up Jacob and Jacob begot Joseph. And Joseph ultimately was brought into Pharaoh's household. And they lived in Pharaoh's household for 430 years. 400 years of captivity, 30 years of peace. And then after that, God raised up Moses and they were delivered and they wandered in the wilderness for how long? Starts with four, rhymes with already, 40 years And then finally, after 40 years, God has raised up Joshua and said, all right, we're time to going into the promised land. It's a total of about 690, 700 years, give or take. Now, here's my point, is that oftentimes we think the Lord's gonna do things faster or different than we think, and it's important to hang on to the promises of God. The promises of God are both macro, that's big, and they're micro, that's small. The promises of God are two things for sure. I'll just give you two. There's way more than that, but there's two things. They're functional and they're foundational. Number one, foundational. When you know the promises of God, he said something, he's gonna do it. Not your problem, just keep moving. And like Abraham, you didn't see the promise come to the way you wanted. Or like Jacob, or like Isaac, or like Joseph, you didn't see it the way that God promised it, but you can trust foundationally that God's gonna do what God wants to do. This is gonna keep you grounded in seasons of difficulty or seasons of testing. How many of you guys have ever been through a season of difficulty or season of testing? Every single one of us like, what the heck's going on? And on a macro, that's big. So, listen, American, brace, buckle up. So big that it might not actually include your, your life. What? 
I'm the most important thing that ever happened to my family. Uh, you know, my mom said so. Uh, you know, we got last place in the tournament. I got a blue trophy. Uh, you know, God's promises are foundational. This is important to believe, no matter what no matter what you're going through. But not only are they foundational, that is broad and big and expansive, they're also functional, okay? When you can hang on to God's promises in the small micro seasons and micro challenges and micro seasons where you're walking in fruitfulness in your life and you're thinking, what's going on? Well, this is God's promises coming to fruition. This is what God is doing. And when God gives us his word, he does so so we would have that functional and foundational outwork in our life. Now, last week we talked about men and women who share a common denominator of success or gratefulness in their life, that they all have one thing in common. They've been through difficulties and obstacles. Every single person that we esteem as a great leader and influencer, they all had a season they had to overcome and go through obstacles. We talked about that being the Jordan River. But I want to tell you right now, another common denominator of men and women who were used greatly and successful and strong by God also had this in common. They knew God's promises and they walked in them obediently. They knew what God said, and then that determined what they did. You can't know what God says to do and then do something else and expect it to go well in your life. Amen? And as soon as God tells you what to do, you, by faith, have to get up and do it. Whether it's a foundational broad promise where you're just going to trust the Lord in the season of difficulty, or whether it's a functional promise and you're going to trust that the Lord wants to do more in your life. The common denominator of people who are used greatly is that they believe God's promises and do what he tells them to do. Now, this seems like basic, you know, functional knowledge. But we don't always get it right. We know what God wants to do. We know what God's doing. And yet, because of the situation and circumstances, we wonder if God wants to actually use us, if God's going to be faithful, if God's going to do more. And so in chapter 3 here, we see this promise finally coming to fruition. And it shouldn't surprise anybody. As a matter of fact, you know what's not surprising? Joshua. Joshua was not surprised at all. 40 years earlier when he spied out the land, he looked at us like, yeah, this is it. What's the problem? They said, well, there's all kinds of obstacles and legislation and giants and bad guys and big guys and mean guys. And he said, so? Who cares? God said it. I believe it that. That's it. Yeah, let's go. And yet there's something in our base nature that sometimes God says it, we consider it, and then we stumble around it. There's a verse in the book of Deuteronomy. I'll read it to you. It's Deuteronomy 6.23. You can write it down if you're taking notes. Essentially, it says this. He brought us out that he might bring us in. And in your life, God's delivered you out of Egypt. He's delivered you out of selfishness and sin and bondage. He's delivered you out, but not just to stop right there. He wants to do further things in your life. He's brought you out so that he can bring you in. God's doing a further work in your life. Salvation is not the end goal. It's just the beginning of our personal walk with Jesus Christ. Too often, though, we fail to enter in because of the thief of unbelief. We don't know what God's going to do next. We tend to become conservative in our approach to the Lord. This is why we need God's word in order to take the land. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And what we see in the scriptures in Hebrews chapter 11 is that the men and women who were used mightily by God were men and women of faith. They knew God's word. They knew his command. Did you know that those verses I just read to you, verses three through nine, there's five separate commands 
The commanders, the officers tell the people what to do. Joshua then tells the people what to do. Then Joshua tells the priests what to do. Then God tells Joshua what to do. Then Joshua tells the people what to do. They're all telling each other what to do. Isn't that awesome? And you know what they do? They do it! Five separate messages of the officers, Joshua twice, God wants the people coming in, everyone's got a message. And when the message is clearly taught, when the message is clearly revealed to us in the scriptures, the idea, the imperative then is that we do something with that knowledge. See, God has for us unconditional promises, that is he's gonna do what he's gonna do no matter what. Then there are conditional promises where God says, I will do this, but you have to prepare your hearts for me to do it. I'm gonna pour out my blessing in this area. I'm gonna be faithful in this thing, but I need you to meet me in the middle so I can do my part. And they're conditional promises where the Lord says, you need to cross over the Jordan River and you need to trust me that I'm gonna lead you in this process. So maybe those two common denominators are experienced in your own life. Maybe you also have had through, go through obstacles and troubles and difficulties in order to get to the place that you're at right now. And God says, oh yeah, all that, that was a mistake. That was in order to perfect the work I was doing in you. You guys ever heard of Sir James Dyson? Sir James Dyson, he has 5,194 attempts at making the Dyson vacuum. And the final vacuum he ever made sucked the most. Is that funny? It's not that funny. James Dyson, he has five, over 5,000 attempts at making, you guys know a, a, a Dyson vacuum, you guys seen these at Costco, the Dyson vacuum, he's now worth $22 billion, his, his whole enterprise, vacuums. And so maybe you've been through some trials and difficulties, like, why did that fail, why is that hard, why is this not panned out yet? And God says, oh, I'm making you through difficulties and opposition into the person I want you to be. But additionally, there is a response time where God says, do you know what my word says? Do you know the commands? Do you know what I want you to do? And then you have a choice. I'm gonna believe the Lord. We're gonna go and do it. We're gonna walk in this way and there'll be negative people, there'll be obstacles, there'll be difficulty, there'll be challenges, but God wants us to move forward when we hear his word because God's commandments are still his enablements. He still wants to move us out into the promised land. He brought us out from Egypt to bring us into the promised land. Let me quote to you another verse. This is Second Chronicles 2, 2020. Kind of an easy one to memorize and I'll paraphrase it, King Jehoshaphat, he said this. He said, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. That when we know what God's doing, when we know God's word, then it's not gonna surprise us when we move into the promised land and begin to take what God has ordained for us to walk in. Now, for today's teaching, we're gonna look at five different principles within the rest of the text. Five things as you're being led by the Lord. Five things as you're being filled with the Spirit of God. Five things as you're walking obediently to make sure are happening in your life. If you're a note taker, there's little notes in the back of your uh, chair there. I would encourage you to write these down. I'll read them to you quickly and then go over them in more expansion. The first one is make sure that God's in the lead. In your life, make sure that God is right in front of you, that he's leading. We saw this last week. We have a tendency to either do one of two things. Get ahead of the Lord. You get excited about this relationship. You get excited about this business deal. You get excited about this financial opportunity. You get excited about this hobby. You get excited and you get in front of the Lord. We've all been there before. The other ditch though is when the Lord is leading through whatever reason and to whatever degree we find ourselves going to the back of the pack and not being close to the Lord. 
Two ditches. Number one, make sure that God is in lead. Number two, make sure and give God space to do it his way. We'll unpack this in a few verses. Number three, sanctify yourself and always be ready. This is a constant process. We'll talk about that. Number four, take steps of faith. It's required for you to please the Lord. And number five, and finally, we'll finish with this idea. Go all in. Don't look back. You know when they crossed over the Jordan, it was, Jordan, it was all over. Like, you're not going to be like, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> the Jordan dried up for them, and then it closed up on it. They're like, okay, we're done. And we'll talk about that because God wants to take us into the promised land as well. Let's just take a few thoughts. Look at verse 3. It says, and they commanded the people, saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it, and yet there shall be a space before you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way which you should go, for you have not passed this way before. Stop right there, eyes up here. Number one principle as you're following the Lord is make sure that the Lord goes before you. Because you don't know where you're going. And the Lord is for you and he does know the way that you are gonna find success as you're walking with him and to let him lead is gonna cause you to then follow in a safe path. It's really the sweet spot of following the Lord is keeping your eyes on him. You found this sweet spot in your life before where you're just walking with the Lord. He's telling you to go to the right hand or to the left hand. You're hearing his voice through his word. You're sensing his spirit. You're seeing his activity in the body of Christ and you're just keeping your eyes on the Lord. Now, this doesn't mean that if you keep your eyes on the Lord, that it's always going to be easy. Remember that one time Peter was in the boat with the, with the boys and the storm was raging and Jesus walked on the water and Jesus invited him to walk out on the water. And as long as Peter had his eyes on Jesus, everything was going great, even though the storm was raging. Miracles were happening. Peter's walking on water. He's surfing without a board. Okay, this is amazing. And yet as soon as he got his eyes off of the Lord, as soon as he drifted and started focusing on the distractions of the world, all of the waves, all of the wind, he began to sink immediately. And the reality is we need to keep our eyes on the Lord to be protected because once we start looking around, we start to sink. Has this ever happened to you in your life before? You just get distracted by many things. And you find yourself taking on water, you find yourself getting wet behind the ears, things are not going perfect in your life and the peace has left because you're not focusing on the Lord. Now, let me just give you a little clue here, and hopefully this translates. It's not that hard to actually follow the Lord and keep your eyes on him. Listen, as long as you're desperately in love with him. It's not that hard. It would almost seem like a hard command, hey, keep your eyes on the Lord, don't blow it, you know. <laughs> you know? But if you're in love with the Lord, if you're truly following him and connected to him, following him, keeping your eyes on him, obeying him and listening and learning from him is not gonna be a difficult thing. It's gonna be a labor of love. It's gonna be a natural response. It's not gonna be hard. We have a dog. She's seven years old. Her name's Kaya. She's a beagle. And I'm just gonna go on record. Kaya it loves me the most. Now, I've got three kids. They love Kaya. My wife loves Kaya. We all love Kaya. But Kaya has chosen to love me the most. And so what that means is, is no matter where I go in the house, Kaya follows, no matter what. I, like last night, I, put the, I was thinking this together, and there's Kaya was in my, in my office upstairs, you know, and she's my study buddy. She just goes and just sleeps on the chair across the way. And she just, wherever I go, she loves me the most. And I'll tell you what, here's the thing about Kaya, though, I started thinking about it. You guys ever had a beagle before? You don't ever have a beagle. They're the worst. You've had two? They're the worst. They're the word. I see other people with dogs that love you and follow you and there's no leash involved and you're just fall. You stop, the dog stops and you go here, the dog goes there. Kaya, if she's off leash or outside or not in a fenced in area, phew, 
she only loves herself. She only, I mean, she's a, she, she just loses her salvation. She becomes a pagan. She goes next level, only serves her flesh. Her nose turns on, ears turn off, and it's anyways. And so the metaphor and illustration kind of breaks down a little bit. But it's true. If you love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's not a hard command. When there's distractions, when other things come up, you're going to follow him. You're going to keep him right in front of you. It's not that hard. And how cool to know that the Lord really requires of you is to simply love him more and to follow him. So number one, make sure that the Lord is in the lead. And number two, make sure to give God space. Look at verse four again. It says, yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Now, this would be for a bunch of different reasons. Number one, the Ark of the Covenant was a holy item. If they got too close, it would actually kill them. If they touched it, it would zap them. It was kind of this big deal, kind of showing the holiness of God. Also, it was supposed to be that far away, so that way the two or three million people could see and differentiate where they're supposed to go. There was kind of some practical reasons for this. But I would say that when you're following the Lord, you've got to stay close to him, keep your eyes on him, but you also have to let God be God, amen? God is gonna do it his way, not your way. Have you figured this out before? Have you figured out that your ways are not God's ways? You're actually not that creative compared to God. God is uber creative and on purpose will take your life, your singleness, your marriage, your business and your ministry, and he will unfold it and unpack it his way so all the glory goes to him and not to you. Have you ever showed God or shared with God your ideas or your plans? So funny. He just laughs and he laughs and he laughs. And here's the other thing is that when we try and solve problems, when we look at the issues around us, we usually go to the Lord and say, Lord, I got a few ideas, and we could just do it this way, and we'll get this financing, and we'll get this plan, and we'll make this treaty, we'll put this effort in, and the Lord looks at you, and he says, you're crazy. Why would we do it that way? Matter of fact, one of the biggest indictments in the scripture is in 2 Chronicles chapter 16. And in 2 Chronicles 16, there's this particular king named Asa, and he actually strikes a deal with some neighboring kings and he defends himself and he builds this big tre- treaty and he does something and actually is very successful. And the Lord says, hey, I was gonna take care of that. But now you got all these deals with these other people. Now you're in debt. Now there's things you can't get out of. You should have let me do it. God wants to do things his way for his glory. And here's the deal. This is really fun moving into this development of the land. I'm so excited for the Lord to show us what to do. His way, his way, because his way is better than our way, amen? His way is better than our way. It's gonna give him the most glory and it's gonna produce the most fruit in our lives. And on purpose, he's gonna do it differently than we would think. Remember when Jesus turned water into wine to serve the master at the feast? We would have never done it that way. We would have sent, we sent somebody to the grocery outlet and get a you know, box of wine. We would have done it our way. Jesus does things his way. When Joseph was raised up to be the prince of Egypt, to be the ruler of heaven and earth, he was started out as a slave, betrayed by his brothers. We would have never done it that way. When God sent his only son to save the world, he ended up on a cross, dying in our place. We would have never done it that way. Give God space to work. This is exciting. Keep your eyes on the Lord, number one. Follow him, but let the Lord do what God wants to do. And if God's doing something in your life right now that doesn't make sense, there's no explanation, hey man, just keep your eyes on him, let him work it out. And you can even call the Lord on this and say, hey, Lord, I'm confused. Can't wait till I see what happens. I mean, can you believe it? When Jesus died on the cross, he's in the tomb. Everyone's so confused. <laughs> everyone's sad, crying, everyone's mad. And here's Jesus saving the world, rising from death, overcoming sin and death. 
God's gonna do it his way. So number one, make sure God's in the lead. Number two, give God space. And number three, we see in verse five, sanctify yourself. It says, and Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Okay, they were already the children of Israel, already set apart, already God's kids, but they needed to continue to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. If you're a believer here this morning, you're saved, you're spirit-filled, you're born again, okay, you're going to heaven when you die, but there's still more work to be done, amen? Sanctify yourself. That means to set apart some of the stuff of the flesh, to watch out for the hardness of your heart, watch out for the waywardness of your mind, watch out for the parts of your flesh that are overgrown. The Bible says deal with those things. Why? Because the Lord's gonna do a mighty work among you. And you want to be ready, and you want to be available, and you want to be soft and tender. Okay, this is a fine balance to strike of being legalistic and being realistic. You're saved by grace. Okay, you're going to heaven, not through works. It's a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. Woo! Very next verse. Oh, but there's good things for you to walk in, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. There's things you got to do. There's things that you need to show up early, stay late, and say yes to everything. And he says, sanctify yourself. Now, if you want more spirit in your life, more power, more love, more fruit in your life, how many of you guys want more of that in your life? Everybody here? Okay, half of you, the rest of you are sleeping, that's okay. We want more God in our life. And sometimes we're like saying, Lord, give me more. And he said, well, I would give you more, but there's too much of you that remains. It's not so much that you need more spirit, it's that you need less flesh. And may the Lord give us application where that needs to be applied. I'll use one illustration. If I took a vase and I filled it with large rocks and then filled it with water on top of those rocks, that vase could only contain so much liquid because the rocks are taking up that extra space. Even if I poured more liquid on top of that vase, there's no more room in that vase until those rocks are removed from the vase and made more room for the water. So too, there's things that are in your rocky heart and in your soil of your heart that need to be removed in order to make more room for the Lord. Again, we call this working out our salvation. We call it laying aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles us, that we might run the race. We call this removing the callousness of our hearts. It's not a bad thing. Sanctify yourself. Number one, make sure the Lord's in the lead. Number two, give God space to do it his way. Number three, sanctify yourself. And number four, take steps of faith. Look at verses six, seven, and eight. It says, then Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. Good job. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Verse eight. And you shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant saying, when you've come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Stop right there, eyes up here. Fourth principle as you're walking with the Lord. Man, you gotta take some risks. You gotta step out. You even gotta step in. You have to get your feet wet if you expect the Lord to do new things in your life. You can't just do what you've been doing and expect something else. As a matter of fact, you have to have new rhythms, new routines, new disciplines, new attempts in order to let the Lord move you in the direction that he has predetermined for you to go in. It's been said many a times that God can't steer a parked car. And we know in the scriptures that it's impossible to please the Lord apart from faith. And listen, faith is going to be evidenced by works, what you do in his name. You can say you believe everything, you can say you even know some things, but until you start to attempt some things and do some things and get your feet wet, you're only just fooling yourself. Now, let me just clarify this. The word given to these priests was very clear. The officers, Joshua twice, 
God. They were given the commands. Rise up, take the Ark of the Covenant, go to the Jordan River. As soon as you get there, step in. It's very clear. There's nothing really unclear about this. All they had to do was say, okay. Sometimes in our life we wonder, I just don't know what to do. You ever been in that place before where the Lord's leading you and guiding you or you just had a decision, you had a crossroad. I don't know what to do. And yet God's given to us his word as our roadmap. He's given to us his word as instructions. And I would encourage you, if you're wondering what's next in my life, what do I do? Know God's word and just obey. Take the clear commands. God's called us to love our enemies. You know it's okay to love your enemy? You can do that. God's called us actually through his word to confess our sins. This is a command. And when you confess your sins, the Bible says he will be faithful to heal you. The Bible calls us to set ourselves aside and to give sacrificially and that he would provide for us. There's clear things that God calls us to do, but let me just encourage you, unless we step out in faith, unless we get our feet wet, we're not likely to make much progress in living for Christ and serving him. What's that look like in your life? Maybe the Lord would have you to start something in your own home. Prayer time, Bible study, worship. There's all kinds of ways to lead your own home. I don't know, man. Sounds risky. What if I step out in the waters of the Jordan and it doesn't part? That's actually a decent question, isn't it? Can you imagine these priests? They have the Ark of the Covenant. It's kind of a big deal. And they're supposed to walk to the Jordan River and they're supposed to stand in it. This is a flood stage. So the Jordan River was raging and it was swollen and it was huge. Wouldn't you expect them to say, can't you just dry it up first? Can't you just part the waters? I mean, wouldn't that be like, Lord, you do your part and I'll for sure do my part. I'm not a dummy. I'll do it. But just dry the waters up, part, just let me know you're here. And the Lord, through his word, would say, did I stutter? I mean, how many times have you read the Bible? I'm like, wow, that's crazy. I can't believe they just laid hands on people and prayed that God would heal them. That's nuts. And the Lord says, I want you to go do the same. Go preach the gospel, laying hands on people, baptizing them in the name of Jesus. Signs and wonders following. And yet that's going to take a step of faith. It's going to take you stepping out into the Jordan River before it dries up, before it's parted, because God's word is clear. And it's impossible to please him apart from faith. This is what God wants us to do. And so those points that we've studied so far, make sure that God's in the lead. I ask you, is God in the lead right now in your life? Are your eyes on him? Are you in love with him? Maybe that's all you need to adjust today. Lord, take the lead. Just take the lead. Lord, I'll follow you. I've got questions about these promises, questions about the past, questions about the future. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. That's it. And when the Holy Spirit moves, you will know because your eyes are on him and let him do it his way. His ways are way superior to your ways, more creative, and will give him the glory. Also, sanctify yourself. Prepare what he wants to do in your life and don't be afraid to take steps of faith. You might be asking yourself, well, what step should I take next? He'll tell you. These guys weren't just making stuff up. They weren't just running to the Jordan, being reckless. God had put something on their heart. My pastor had a saying that he shared with me, and he said it this way, that he who sees it, not to seize it. That if God gives you an impression, if God gives you a desire, if God gives you an inclination, God gives you a gift, God gives you something like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna try that. And you might be the only one in your family that sees it that way, the only person in your community that values that thing. Like, I don't know why I have this inclination. I don't know why I see this. I feel like I'm the only one moving in this direction. And next thing you know, there's a bunch of people following you because God's raised you up to be a leader. God's raised you up to put your feet in the Jordan. 
God's raised you up to take risks. By the way, there was instruction given to the people that when they see the priest standing in the water, that they're to follow them. Your leadership, your response, your steps, okay, are that important. Other people are watching you. By way of example, you might not know it. How many of you guys know? I mean, we don't, just don't think much of ourselves that often, do we? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just running my business. Not that big a deal. Really? I'm just leading my family. I'm just bringing people to church. I don't, I'm not really doing much. Really? Your leadership, your influence, your example, your risks that you're taking do not go unnoticed. As a matter of fact, when we don't take the proper steps and the proper leadership and the proper risks, that also doesn't go unnoticed. The people followed and they went after him. It's always going to take faith to follow the Lord. Look at verse 9. Actually, go back to verse 6. It says, then Joshua spoke to the priests saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. We're gonna look at the fifth point in just a minute here. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they might know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Stop right there, Isaac. Kind of an interesting verse. An encouragement pep talk to Joshua. Hey, Joshua, I'm gonna begin to do things in your life right now so that the rest of the people that are following you know that I'm with you. Now, was God already with Joshua, yes or no? You've been with him the whole time. And yet God said, I'm going to begin to do things in your life so that way when people follow you, listen, they know they're following me. And this is imperative and important in our lives that as we all keep our eyes on Jesus and as you choose to be part of a leadership or organization or a church church or a leader, you say, is that person being led by the Lord? Are there things happening in that person's life that indicate that God is for them and with them? Look what Joshua does in response though. Look at verse eight. You shall command, he says, the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant saying, when you've come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Stop right there, eyes up here. Leadership principle number one, if you're leading people, make sure you're leading them to God. Joshua gathers the people, he's like, guys, everyone, come here, come here, come here, come here. I want you to hear what God has to say. This is a good pastor. This is a good leader. This is a good person to follow. He gathers the people. As a matter of fact, look at verse 10. Here's his message. And Joshua said, by this, you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites. Stop right there, eyes up here. I want you to unpack this with me before we read the rest of that verse. Joshua's first message. Guys, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. I want you to know three things. The living God is among you and will without fail drive out the Canaanites. Three things. His primary message, God's alive. We have the living God. This is crazy. You guys are crazy here at South Beach Church. 9 a.m. service, you guys are packing the place out. It's raining cats and dogs. It's raining down sideways and up, and you guys are coming over here to worship God because God's alive, amen? And he's not just alive, but he's with you. He's with you in your midst and he will without fail drive out the Canaanites and all the other people groups that he's gonna listen in just a minute. This is important that you understand the message of Jesus Christ, the message of the church. Why are we doing this? There are groups that get together for political reasons. There are groups that get together for humanitarian reasons. There are groups that get together for all kinds of reasons. Okay, we get together and we live our lives because Jesus is real, because he's among us. This is real where two or more are gathered. 
And God will, without fail, finish the work that he began. And I want to be a part of that, amen? I want to be a part of what Jesus is doing. And he goes on to, this is his, by the way, he just told Joshua, I'm going to begin to exalt you. Joshua immediately begins to exalt God. Humble yourself and God will lift you up in due time, First Peter chapter 5. When God begins to exalt you and God begins to bless you and use you, give you success in any area, any fashion, make sure that you immediately reflect and deflect that glory back up to God. And I promise you, I promise you, the Lord will continue to use you to declare his greatness and to lead people into his plan. As long as you know it's God who's with them, it's God who's among them, and it's God who will finish the work he began. Look at verse 10. I'm gonna read it in totality. Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites and the websites and the flashlights and the termites and all the things that bother you. That's added in my version. Why, why so many? These are all the bad guys they're about to fight. Beginning with the Canaanites. This would be the place of Jericho. These are the Canaanites that live there. And the message that God, Joshua gives to the people is that God is with us. He's the living God. And he will, without fail, finish the work he began in you. He's going to drive out the Canaanites and the Parasites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and all these people. A couple thoughts, by the way. All of these groups that are mentioned were very, I'll just I'll use the word, very godless. They were evil people that would sacrifice their own children on hot arms, burning coals. These guys were godless. They would mutilate. They would do crazy things. They were given ample time to repent in case you're wondering why this is all happening. Why can't they just have peace treaties? Why can't they just all get along? Why can't we just figure it out? They had had opportunities to repent and to give their lives over to God, but they would not do it. And God is setting a precedence here saying, hey, if I'm gonna move you into the promised land, there is no way of the flesh to be mingled with your spiritual life. They're just, it's not gonna work that way. This stuff has to get out of the way. And you who are walking with the Lord right now wondering, what's going on in my spiritual journey as God's leading me? It kind of feels like there's some complications here and some things that still need to be removed. And God says, yeah, I know about that. I will without fail get that stuff out of your life. Why? Because I love you. And I want there to be fruitfulness in your life. I will be faithful to finish the work I began in you. This is good news, by the way. Sometimes when you see this list, you're thinking to yourself, man, there's a lot of enemies, there's a lot of battles. And the message that Joshua said is God will finish it. Look at verse 11. He tells him, behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord your God, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. Stop right there. As up here, he says the priests will be going in, take one man to represent every tribe of the children of Israel. These representatives, this is a holistic movement. God calls men, he calls women, and he raises up leaders within leaders to lead the charge. And I just ask that question. I know my position, I know my job description, I know my calling right now, I know the challenges in front of me. What position do you have right now? What area has God put on your heart right now to listen to him, to follow him, to lead others? 
This is a holistic, holistic movement that God wants us to walk in. Everyone does their part, and he tells them what's gonna happen. As soon as the children of Israel walk into the Jordan River and the priests and the soles of their feet touch the water, that the water will be stopped, and it'll be heaped up upstream, and it'll be made dry as the people go on. Look at verse 14. He says, so it was, so it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. Zaratan is a place where they have seasonal allergy medicine right there, Zaratan. And so the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah the salt sea failed and they were cut off and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Stop right there, eyes up here. This is kind of cool. He's just giving the story now. The direction was given. Clear commands. Make sure God's in front of you. Give him space. Right now you just need to give him space. Right now in your life there might be something going on where you just see one paragraph, you see one line, it's offensive. This doesn't make sense. I don't like this. This isn't how I ordered it. And Lord says, hey, give me, give me some space. Give me some space. You might actually be trying to fast track something in the Lord's economy right now. Well, maybe if we just work harder, we'll just get this thing done. The Lord says, hey, give me some space. There's this one portion of scripture in Numbers chapter 11 where they're walking through the wilderness and they're wandering and they get hungry and they begin to kind of solve their problems. They have some herds and cattle with them in order to make food. And they propose this idea in Numbers 11. They said, hey, maybe we should just kill a bunch of animals and eat them. And God stops and said, are you serious? You're gonna sacrifice your own animals to eat them? Let me take care of it. And shortly thereafter, quail came flying along and manna, and God took care of their needs. They were gonna do it themselves. God says, don't do it. Let me do it. Let me care for your needs. That way the glory goes to me. And now as they're walking through the Jordan River, the Bible gives the details and it says that the water was stopped very far away at Adam near Zaratan. You guys know that Adam and Zaratan are 20 miles away from the Jordan crossing location? Now let's just go ahead and factor this in. This is a miracle, but it's also quantifiable. You can kind of do the math and figure this miracle out. So when they came to the Jordan River, all of a sudden like, whoa, the, the water stopped and it just kept going down and it dried up toward the Dead Sea. And if they looked upstream, it was dry as well. But the actual stoppage was 20 miles away. The miracle was out of sight, out of mind, God doing something else somewhere far, far away where they couldn't see it, but they still had to believe it. So too in your own life right now, how's the Lord gonna open up this pathway? How's the Lord gonna walk me through this? How's the Lord gonna do this? He's probably not gonna actually show you the details. Why would he do that? He wants you to trust him. He wants you to step in. These priests, can you imagine how silly they would have felt? Man, I hope we don't just get our feet wet. I hope we don't just look dumb walking out into the Ark of the, walking out into the Jordan River with the Ark. Guys, look at the last verse with me. We only have one more minute together and I want you to see this. I can get five minutes out of this one minute though. It says, then the priest, verse 17, who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. It's very detailed. 
The final verse says that the priest went into the middle and the river stopped. This is not a small river. It's a large river. Some speculate it would be a mile wide. That is a large body of water. And it stopped. And it says specifically that it was firm ground. How many of you guys would expect it to be a little, little spongy? A little spongy, a little weird. I oh, hope you guys got your you know, extra tufts on. It's going to be weird, you know. And it wasn't just firm, it was dry. This is not what I would expect. But instead, God says, not only am I going to stop the water, but it's going to be better than you could ever expect. What if they just built a boat? Let's just boat people across. Three million people. It's going to take a minute, you know. Or let's just build a real narrow bridge, you know, a bridge. And it would take a couple months to build a bridge. And even then, man, who knows? And God says, no. I'm going to do a work that you could never take credit for, that you desperately need. You need the waters parted, and it's not going to be muddy and wet. It's going to be dry and firm. Trust me. I think the biggest thing we see in real Christian leadership, being a real Christian leader in your home or in your business, is knowing God's words and his commands and then obeying and following in obedience, trusting him, taking risks. Let me just give the last and final point. The first four points were this if you're taking notes. Make sure that God's in the lead. Give him space to do his work. Sanctify yourself. Always be ready. Take steps of faith. faith. Risks will be required. And the fifth and final principle for walking with the Lord, listen, is to go all in. Did you know that when the priest stood there, three million people would cross on this shore? Is that a lot of people? That's a lot of people. This wouldn't have just been the, you know, okay, guys, 30 seconds before the crosswalk sign changes. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry This would have been an all day, if not all weekend event. And once you crossed over and the Jordan came back, you are all in. There's no going back. Because once you set your hand to the plow of Jesus Christ, of serving him, loving him, walking with him, following him, there's no turning back. Go all in. Do not relent. Do not go back. Trust the Lord. No matter what season you walk in, no matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult it is, Joshua had just told them there's Canaanites, there's Perizzites, there's Girgashites, whatever that is. There's all these things that are coming against you. But hey, you know what? God's for you, not against you. He's going to finish the work that he began. In the 1500s, there was a great explorer, Hernan Cortez, and he took 11 boats. Most of you heard this story. And he took 11 boats and began to explore a new world. And he ultimately came to the Gulf of Mexico and he discovered a new land. And in that days, uh, they were on conquest and searching for things. And as he found this land, he realized that it's not going to be easy to overtake. And there was a temptation within his sailors and within his soldiers' hearts to continue moving elsewhere and to go other directions. And so what he did in order to go all in is he burned the ships He destroyed his fleet. He had 11 ships and he burned them and he sank them saying, guys, we're in. We're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. And the greatest resolve that you could have to the Lord even today in your marriage or in your ministry, in your singleness, in your devotion to Jesus, no matter what's going in, no matter what's going on in your life, is what Peter said to Jesus that day that Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you want to leave me? He said, to whom shall we go? Lord, you have the words of eternal life. And we have both come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he stayed with Jesus. And he continued, even though it was difficult. Maybe you're in a difficult season right now. Maybe things aren't easy for you. Maybe you're wondering, when are the waters going to part? What's going to happen next? Where's the provision going to come from? May the Lord give you what you need in this season. And may you give him space to work. And may he finish the work that he began. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads as we pray? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you and we honor you.
Your word is steadfast and immovable and it will not return void. And may your word now, Lord, produce faith in our hearts to keep going for such a time as this. Lord, the horizon is dark, the setting is dark, the economy is dark, things are dark, it's all just dark. And yet, Jesus, you shine the brightest in dark seasons. And may we as believers, especially here in Lincoln County, maybe you're visiting and you're serving at a church elsewhere, but maybe you're part of South Beach Church, may we, Lord, trust you that the greatest days are ahead of us. That, Lord, you want to do a mighty work in us and through us. Help us to be more in love with you. Truly, in Jesus' name, to keep our eyes on you. May that be the first and foremost of our efforts every single morning. Seek you first and let you do whatever you want to do. We trust you. Your ways are best. Lord, I pray that you would help us to sanctify ourselves as well, to take those risks and to go all in, no turning back. We love you so much, Lord. Bless us and lead us and guide us. We trust you. Keep our hearts soft and may we always have an answer to give to those people around us for the hope that lies within us. We do again pray for mercy and grace upon our nation, Lord, upon our county and upon our state. Bless us, we ask now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Hey, make sure and pray, vote, and then pray again and continue to follow the Lord. Keep your eyes on him. Fall more in love with him daily. Take risks for him and his glory. God bless you. Sign up for something as you guys leave. Help us pull off the day before Thanksgiving meal. Sherry is right there to answer all your questions. Other than that, you guys are dismissed.